Welcome back. This is Gual Turmerello with the Alchemist Nation podcast. I'm hanging out with Fred Posimo. Did I pronounce that right? Posimo. No, <laughs> it's Posimo. You just correct me, man. No worries. No, it's all good. It's all good. You can call me whatever you want. But as long as as long as it's calling you for a deal or making money or uh, buying some real estate, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Making money or having fun—that's my favorite part. Making money or having fun sounds like uh, two really good rules. Uh, Mitch Durf, uh, Mitch Jorsky told me that you are the guy to interview. Uh, how do you know Mitch, or how do you know uh, Damian Mikulowski? Um, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, so so Damian and I actually go to the same real estate school. So I work okay. right now at Investor Schooling with Larry Steinhouse and Phil Falcone. So I help them run the school, represent the school. I do presentations there, and uh, you know I help bring on new students, and I, I just. And kind of part of the industry and doing all that kind of stuff. And so that's how I met Damien. And then Damien saw me interview Les Brown on my show. And now here we are. <laughs> all right. So you just like brought in the, the perfect segue. Les Brown, right? You got to be hungry. <laughs> how the heck did you get involved with Les Brown? So it was a, uh, it was a ton of connections and a little bit of money. <laughs> nice. But sometimes it's all you take. So you said you got some contractors going on today. What are you What are you working on in the house? So we got we got the whole kitchen being redone upstairs, and we're running some new electrical down in the basement now and stuff like yep. that. So it's it's a big major renovation. That's, nice. Uh, that's going on. It's almost the whole the whole floor. We took out the wall. All that what inspired stuff. it, Fred? Why Why renovate the the kitchen and uh, the house? Because the old one was over like forty years old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. So, all right. So if any uh, noise issues run into, we run into any noise issues, we know what it is. Uh, so Fred, going back before we get really dived into this, because uh, I already know a couple of topics we could talk about. And I know uh, we're probably gonna talk about the school system because it's, uh, it's probably failed. Uh, it failed me, it failed you, uh, fails a lot of people. Uh, before we dive into it, how did you get involved in real estate? Like what brought you to uh, this beautiful asset class? So I always start my story back when I was seven years old. And when I was seven years old, I started taking martial arts lessons. So I was, I was taking karate as a kid and I absolutely loved it. And as I grew older, I realized that karate classes or at least the school that I was at was really more so of personal development classes or kind of training the brain shrouded inside of kicks and punches. And when I figured that out, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm really learning personal development. I'm really learning self-improvement and entrepreneurship, uh, not so much entrepreneurship, but, but more personal growth and stuff like that. And as I got older, that led me to entrepreneurship because lots of times they go hand in hand. You know, we yeah. see a lot of success coaches and, and people like that, you know, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, all those kinds of people that we look up to. And so personal development led me to entrepreneurship my junior year of high school when I was 17 years old. I took a class entitled entrepreneurship. And at the time, I didn't even know what, the, what that meant that word. I just knew it was a business class. And I'm like, that sounds interesting. And I remember the, the day that the teacher was writing out real estate investing on the board. I'm like, that's genius. I need to do that. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that, that basically just validated basically my opinion of real estate. And I, I just was like, I got to do that. I got to do that. That's the thing. I wanted. And so I, I joined a, basically a school, a real estate investing school in a community and grew myself there and, you know, became an asset there and just went up since then. That is uh, probably one of the best stories I have heard. You actually early on realized, holy shit, uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, right? Because 
karate. My brother says it to me all the time. He, he teaches like capoeira, which is also a, a martial arts. I've done it. You've done it. So you're familiar with the, everything, man. You, that you Brazilian know. dance fighting. And, exactly. <laughs> and uh, what he says, it's honestly, he's like, I train kids to like be able to handle things in their lives. Has mm -hmm. nothing to do with, I mean, yes, physical movement is important, but like it's all about mental training. Yeah. So the, the physical movement is to keep the kids entertained for, right. for a 45 minute class. You, you got to get, you got to catch the attention of 10 year old kids. And so when they're moving, you know, motion creates emotion. So right. they, they, it, it becomes disguised repetition at that point. But we, we had, we had phrases that we would say at the school and, and it's like a, a repeat phrase. We, we say the first half and the class says the second half. And some of them would be like, I can always do better than, and the class will repeat, I, I think I can, right? It's not what we do, it's how we do it. Hold yourself to a higher standard than other people expect of you. These were things that I said every single solitary class that I ever took from seven years old to about 22. And from 17 to about 22, I was teaching karate classes. Wow. So it was this, this trial by fire, basically this, you know, baptism by fire for my mindset and for my brain. And so wow. now it's like a lot of this stuff is just ingrained in me, you know, the, the right. confidence, the public speaking, uh, the perseverance, you know, that, that whole thing is just there because it was there since I was a kid. I'm writing this down. Uh, when I have kids one day, uh, karate classes, it's early personal development. I had, yeah, honestly, I had no clue. So, so one caveat, it depends highly on what school. They're not all created equal. Yeah. So, so not, not all schools are created equal, but I, I would, I would say, yeah, go yep. for it. That makes a lot of sense. So Fred, going into uh, the school system, you, you and I, I asked you at the beginning of this, what's the most controversial thing we could talk about? Uh, I know people love controversy. And you mentioned the school system, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a sore subject for me as well. I do feel mm -hmm. like it's failing America. I feel like a lot of people go there thinking uh, they have to, and they come right. out, yes, they can read, they can write, but beyond that, they don't know really anything. They have no skills, they have no abilities. And so they come out of that and they say, well, what can I do now to make money? And the world's answer is not fucking much, right? Like if you want to make 30, 40,000, you're good. And if you live in a bigger city and you want to make 50, 70,000, okay, right, you're fine. But if you're looking to make more than that, you don't have too many options. Uh, what do you think, what do you think is the biggest thing that holds people back because of the school system? What do you think its biggest flaw is? The biggest flaw. <laughs> so it's funny, because a lot of people look at the school system, and they think, like you and I do, that there's a, a ton of problems with it. Well, really, in my opinion, there's only three. There's only three problems with the entire school system. One is what you hit the nail on the head, which is the skills we're being taught, right? We're, we're not being taught things that can produce an income and worthy income, like you say, or things that really are used in everyday life. You know, when I graduated high school, I, I, I took Shakespeare and calculus. And it's like, come on, you know what, I, I, I always, I always make jokes. And I'm like, look, if, if we spent less time reading Shakespeare and more time reading mortgage documents, right, where would we be, you know, and, and I always make the joke that like, public speaking is the number one fear in America. But if we replace math courses in school with public, with public speaking courses, math would be the number one fear in America. Right. And, and so it, it's, it's disproportionate to, to what we need. That's the first problem. The second problem is the methodology through which we're being taught. I mentioned earlier being a karate instructor. Yep. Another thing that happens with 
the kinesthetic learning, the, the learning through motion is that we remember more. So there's something known as the cone of learning. And the cone of learning basically describes how well we retain information based on how we learned that information. And the highest level of retention is actually going out there and doing it, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you know that your first real estate deal, you learn more than anything you ever read in, in the zillion and 10 books that you, you could have read about it in all the YouTubes that you could have watched, all the seminars that you could have went to and everything, right? Yep. Nothing replaces that experience. The bottom level, check this out. The bottom level, the lowest level of retention is listening to lectures and reading books. Yep. <laughs> the, two, the two methods that we're taught in the school system are the lowest level of retention in there. So we need to flip the script on, on how we're being taught these subjects. And then the third problem is more so for colleges, which is just the, the financial sabotage that we have going on. I, I mean, you know, the, the, the cost of college education is astronomical, number one. And number two, it's the worst possible debt. Yeah, exactly, keep going. <laughs> Keep going. We don't have enough room on this screen to, to show all that, right? The cost of, of college is astronomical. And the debt, I call college debt the gateway debt. You yeah. know why? It starts the game off. It starts it off something small. It, it, yeah, it starts, <laughs> it starts us off in debt. Because look, the government wants us to be in debt our entire life. And that's why they structured college debt the way that they did. This is 100% my opinion. Yep. College loan debt is the only debt in America that is non-bankruptable. You cannot declare bankruptcy on student loan debts. You can go bankrupt and still own that, still owe that money to the yep. school because the government wants to keep us in debt. What happens afterwards? We get a job. How do we get to our job? We got to buy a car. How do we buy the car? We use more debt. How do we buy our, our first house that we move into? We use more debt, right? We yep. marry somebody else who has other student loan debt. So we're just creating these debt mountains in our life. And then at the end of our life, whatever money we have left, we hand it all over to the nursing home. We're, we're in what I like to call a financial pinch, right? From, from zero to 18, you accumulate all kinds of money from communion parties and, and all kinds of birthdays and, and stuff like that. Then you give it all away to the government, the banks, and the corporations when you go to college. You go back down to zero instantly. Then you work for them your whole life. You become the HR department for the governments, the banks, and the corporations. And then at the end of your life, when your money is no good to you anyway, you give it all back to them at the end so that it can get circulated back into the system. Yeah. We, we are being preyed upon financially for, for our, our, my, ugh, our financial naivete is being preyed upon by the governments, the banks, and the corporations. You know, Fred, you just opened so many, so many conversations in <laughs> one of the biggest problems I see with the financial sector. And uh, when you took the, the government and you put it all together is that these are two machines that have to keep circulating. When you look at people, people are the, the cells, the muscles, the tissue, but the, the money is the blood. And if you don't pump it through the system fast enough, parts of the body die. Sure. And you know the, the government is the brain that runs all of this, that gives us uh, an opportunity. And we're just a bunch of cells in the body operating. And if they're not getting blood moving to us, they suffer, right? But at right. the same time, for us, if we're not using the money the right way, because on the other side of that, they are right on some level. Currency mm -hmm. needs to move, right? It's got to sure. keep moving, but they're not educating us on how to move it properly. And it right. goes right, 
like the money goes right to where it belongs, right? It goes to the wealthiest people on the planet because those people are good at collecting money. You know, they're, they're just like the heart, like they pull it right in. Like they're just very good at that. And some of them are, are creating new money, just like the lungs, right? Re enriching it, making it keep moving. I could run this metaphor all day. <laughs> it's I apparently very good. I gotta, metaphor. I gotta dive deeper into this, but <laughs> yeah, this, this is, this is, I never heard it that way before, but that's a, that's a fantastic metaphor for it. it it's, it's almost, it's almost like the, the way that you're putting it is that instead of training us on how to use money, they're, right. they're allowing us to be the tool that makes money work for them. 100%. In a sense. And, and that's what that's what aggravates me about it is that, you know, it's, it's not only it's not only that we have a curtain pulled over our eyes, it's that it's intentionally being put there right. by someone else who knows something that we don't. Right. That's that's the thing that gets me. It's, it's not that school is bad. And, and look, I want to caveat this by, by saying I'm not, I'm not anti-college and I'm not pro-entrepreneurship. Right. Neither of those. My right. sister is the perfect example. My sister went to school for 12 years, it feels like. She went to college for 12 years, got her master's, got her PhD, did a postdoc. Yep. And now she's off making well into six figures, working at a, at a job and a career that she likes. Oh, nice. She was a good fit. Yeah. She fit in school. She was a straight A student her whole life hit the Dean's list, all those crazy awards. Yeah. I was never a good fit from, from kindergarten through 12th grade and the little bit of college that I did. I was a C and D student my entire life. I yep. was, I was behaviorally, you know, shunned, if you will. Um, you know, I could, I could never sit still in class. I, I had, you know, academically, I, I did, you know, mediocre at best. And I just, I felt this, the, the biggest thing was, the feeling, right? I wrote in my first book when I was 21 years old that everybody on the face of this planet is in search of the same thing, a feeling. We're all searching for a feeling. And that feeling is constantly moving. It's constantly changing. It's constantly growing and evolving. But we're just in this rapid pursuit of feelings every single day. And the feeling that I had in school was congruent throughout all of my schooling. And it was overwhelm, stress, anxiety, nausea, just, just this, this weight on my shoulders while I was there and this need to get home and, and get out and away from there. And that, that I think like, is really another thing that led me to entrepreneurship. It's almost like you were in a prison, you know, the whole, all the rules, the structure, mm -hmm. the uh, timing. And, you know, it's crazy because you are an entrepreneur, but a lot of the books in entrepreneurship, and you probably know the ones I'm thinking of, require structure. They tell you, you've got to wake up early. You've got to go out and do the same thing as everybody else every single day and, and do a little bit more than everybody else. And that's how you become successful. I would venture to say that's not how you became successful. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because morning routines are, are like a big buzz in the entrepreneurship yeah. world. Every, every YouTuber, you know, that, that gets any credibility creates a morning routine video. Yep. And I tried them all. I tried everything. I've read, you know, multiple books and, and I'm like, oh, all I got to do is wake up at 4.45 a.m. and go to the gym for six hours and read two and a half books and, and do a, you know, a yoga exercise for three days. Like it's, it's the most ridiculous things that you come up with, right? Like the, the miracle morning and, and stuff like that. And I, and I asked myself the same question that you did. I'm like, you know, how am I supposed to create a life of freedom right, which is what we're all striving towards with entrepreneurship, when I create this massive amount of structure in my day, from eight o'clock to eight ten, I'm eating eggs, from eight ten to eight fifteen, I'm reading four pages of this book, like, 
it doesn't make sense doing it that way. And, and what I realized is that none, nothing in your morning routine really matters. What matters is what you do after you wake up. Right? My, my morning routine is this. You ready? Watch how easy this is. Right? Wake up, take a shower, get dressed, eat breakfast. That's it. That's <laughs> it. We have the same morning routine. <laughs> that, that's, that's the morning routine. You know? yep. And then it allows me to do things like this. Because look, we couldn't do this call at 6.30 in the morning. That doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, my, business, my business revolves around texting people, calling people, and emailing people. Yep. Who am I getting in contact with at 4.30 in the morning? Hundred percent, right? Nobody. So, yep. so it's it's all about what you do after you wake up. Yeah, that's that's my personal opinion on it. And you know, you, you look at Jocko Willink or or you know the the Miracle Morning or or, or whoever you want to look at. Ron L. Ron, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they might tell you something different, and that's yeah. fine, and, and that works for them. But to me, here here's something that that I always looked at. People kind of have this misplaced sense of diverting or diluting their problems so in life we all have these big problems these big things that we're facing yep. but instead of facing up to the big problem we present ourselves with this lower level problem and call that it because we don't want to face up to the big thing and right. here's the best way i can describe it when i was a karate instructor one of my co-workers always talked about push-ups right lots of people don't like doing push-ups because they hurt they're tough they're difficult to do right and so people do this in their head and it's and it's just a defense mechanism it's it's something designed to keep us alive and, and a survival technique where they'll say oh i'm going to do a whole lot of curls so that my biceps get bigger and then when my biceps get bigger i'll be able to do more push-ups right? <laughs> and, and it's like all you're doing is avoiding the push-ups if you want to get better at push-ups do more push-ups right and my point with that story is this if you want to gain more discipline in your life and be more productive do the thing that, that you want to be more productive with. Don't tell right. yourself that if I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and go to the gym, I'm going to become more disciplined. No. That, that doesn't, you're, you're, you know, do the thing that you want to be disciplined with. Don't do something else and try to claim that it fixes something over here. Yeah. People try to take on too many projects at once saying, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to work out. But at the same time, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to start eating better. And it's like, it's just too many habits all at one time. It's like, dude, just start eating better. Right? <laughs> I, I think that like half the time when people post their morning routine on YouTube, I think they add like 17 things because they realize like their video would be 30 seconds long if they didn't. Right. Like if you ever watch, uh, do you know Caleb Maddox? No. <laughs> so Caleb Maddox is an 18 year old millionaire. I actually interviewed him or, or I was uh, on his show a little while back. Yep. And um, it's funny, he, he made a video when he was 14 years old of, of his morning routine. And it's like this 15 minute video of like, he goes to the gym, he goes to the sauna, he swims in the pool, he plays basketball. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you doing all of this stuff? Right? What is the point? Right? No, I, I agree with you. I, I've always found that if I can, if I can wake up about 20 minutes before I have something to do, I will, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is my first interview of the day I woke up yeah. around 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago, and I'm fresh, I'm happy. I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to go meet a new guy. We're going to have a great conversation. Yeah. Like this is going to be a good freaking day. But if I woke up, like I've literally, I could have woken up an hour earlier, but what would I have done? Right? <laughs> what would I have done? I was exciting to get me up. So, you know, I stay up at late at night reading or researching or doing fun things, things I enjoy doing that do tax the brain. If I did that in the morning, I wouldn't want to jump on interviews. I'd be so involved in what I'm doing. 
I, you know, you just run what you you love until you pass out. Sure. So sure. you sleep. Think, that, think about it. Too, you know, it's it's part of it's part of the idea that that entrepreneurs use different hours than most than most nine to fivers will use. Yeah. Right? So so lots of times I'm I'm more of a late night entrepreneur, like you said, than a, than an early morning entrepreneur. So like the other night I was up to like 1:30 mapping out, you know, like my vision board, my mission statement, and all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, just because I get stuck in that glow state and, and there's a lot of lights in my basement. So I'm like, you know, pacing back and forth. I got the whiteboard yep. out and I'm drawing everything out. And, and so it's like we, we can utilize the hours that we want to use because we don't have the demands of someone who's a nine to fiver. Yeah, dude, I, I love that you got the whiteboards. I love that you're in the basement. I got it all, brother. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I found the basement to be uh, the best space I could finish and it was brand new space, right? It was like yeah. a way to steal some extra space out of the house. And there's about 13 whiteboards down here. Well, between down here and upstairs. Now I'm excessive. It's, it's worse than it should be, but, <laughs> but it's cool. You, you get the concept. I'm in the living room. I can write something down no matter where you're at. Uh, Fred. So when, when you started, when you got into real estate, like you're obviously more in a educational realm now, mm -hmm. what was it knowing how you feel about the school system, the public school system, what was it that made you say, I'm going to go educate, right? I'm going to go educate people. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, obviously the school system wasn't built for you. It wasn't built right. the right way for people like you and me. And so you had to build your own school or what, what was the, the thought that went behind yeah. doing all of this? Cause you're doing a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like you said, I've kind of transitioned out of the investing world and into more of the author, speaker, coach, consultant world now. Right. And the, the number one reason for that is because I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so as, as I'm sure you know, I, I have a, a little mantra, a little kind of tagline catchphrase that I use for everything. And that's make money and have fun. Yep. And my personal belief system is that if we can create alignment between both of those things, where we're making a ton of money and we're fulfilled, happy, and passionate, then at that point we have achieved success. Because think about it, we both know we both know people who are working a nine-to-five job, making a killer income, making a ton of money, but they're yep. absolutely miserable. And then on the flip side, we also know the person who's just happy, gung ho on life, but they're not making enough money to sustain that. Right. And so I wanted to come in and help people bridge that gap. And to answer yep. your question directly, it's, it's been that long, windy road. You see, personal development led me to entrepreneurship, which really started off with real estate investing. And when I got into the real estate investing game, I realized there's a lot of pieces to this that I'm not a fan of, that don't fill me up. They don't juice me. They don't make me want to keep going. But which which word, pieces are like if you so, could specifically so, yeah so specifically <laughs> I'm not an acquisitions guy I will never wholesale a deal in my life unless it's by accident or it's really easy right that to me in my opinion is wasted time driving right. from from the Rock of Gibraltar to Timbuktu and back to deal with non business people people who let's be frank are derelicts jailbirds losers and on the brink of homelessness yep. To, to try to negotiate a $100,000 or so deal with these these jamokes, right? You know, and it's funny you say it. I, I said that to Ron too. I was like, dude, like I, I do acquisitions and I've done it. I've been heavy in it and yeah. I couldn't wait to get out of it. As soon as I could separate myself from, from that group of people who we do serve, obviously as investors, we serve them, but I just didn't want to work with them, you know? Yeah. And 
you you noticed that early on very nice yeah so, absolutely and, and, and i've always i've always had a, a very high level of self-awareness so i'm not sure if you're familiar with disc tests at all absolutely but i'm a high eye i'm a super like i'm like a 96 eye or yep. so on there so i'm almost like 100 percent eye so I'm yeah. what are your secondaries the D's uh, in there. I, I, D, uh c and s i think yep yeah i think it's id c and s yep um, makes sense yeah so so I'm a super high eye. So I'm always in deep introspective thought. I'm always thinking, and sometimes I overanalyze stuff. Yep. Stuff. Like I got to get my D a little bit higher so I can actually take action and stuff. <laughs> but it's great because I actually surround myself with high Ds. My girlfriend's a high D. My uh, my boss and mentor is a high D. He's actually a hundred percent D. <laughs> so so it's like because I'm surrounded by that, my my yeah my D is is growing in proportion to that to that high eye at this point. Right. Um. It's funny. I run a very similar disc, so I, I completely I get it. <laughs> I think that's kind of the entrepreneurial disc, right? Yeah. In that in that sense, um, but yeah. So so you know, I, I knew that. Here here's the funny thing. My whole life, I was always really good at public speaking. I don't know why. I was like, you know, ever hear like the natural born salesman? Yep. Like I was like a kind of like a natural born speaker. I never yep. I never had stage fright. I never froze up. I never did any of that stuff. I, I just kind of went out there and I did it. And people used to ask me as a kid, you know, do you ever get stage fright? And I was like, what's that? Because <laughs> it, it never, it never happened to me. And people have actually asked me to teach them public speaking. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize that I really knew this very well. Right. And so my, my thought initially at 22 years old was I'm going to build a real estate empire. And then I'm going to use the cash flow from that real estate to go speak on stages. But what I, did I, the same thing. <laughs> what, I, what I realized was I can actually do it a different way. Yeah. There, there's actually a, a better way to build this thing. And, and I said, why would I spend my time working in the real estate industry where there's a lot of things that I don't like and there's a lot of development that needs to go into it that is not going to fulfill me when I could just go on the stage. It's, it's like I did the same thing. I, I worked on this thing so that I could get better at push-ups. Right. right? And, yeah. and I, like, you know, we, we always contradict our, our own advice. So yeah. I was building this real estate thing, but really in my defense, I didn't know that there was a better way. Yeah. And so what, what happened this year was I made a ton of associations. Like we talked about earlier, I met Les Brown. I met uh, Greg Reed is another one of my big mentors um, and, a, and a good friend of mine. And I met um, David Hancock, who's the owner and founder of Morgan James Publishing as well as a ton of other people this year, my associations just completely exploded. Manny Lopez is one of my coaches. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so I knew all of these people and I was like, how can I take what I'm already doing and make it bigger? I wrote two books, one at 21, one at 24, and I just self-published both of them. And I'm like, what if I made a real book where it hits bookshelves, it hits major bestseller lists, and I just do this massive launch with it. And I use that as a pedestal to speak about, right? Yep. And, I, and I create a course around it. And I started to reach a position where I have enough money coming in to actually hire videographers and virtual assistants and, and all these people to actually get this infrastructure going. And I just realized that really the author, speaker, coach, consultant world is a lot more fun to me yeah. than the investing world. And it's not that I'm done with investing. I'm, I'm definitely still gonna, going to invest, right. but I want to put this out there forward because the two things that I love in this world is I love public speaking and I love teaching. I love yeah. giving somebody, giving somebody that, that paradigm shift, 
when you can see it in their face and they're like, oh, <laughs> that is that is fulfillment to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I know that I gave that to somebody. Yeah, it's like That's, sugar, man. It's yeah. it's addicting. It's like you want more and uh, it doesn't, and the more you have, the more you want. Like mm-hmm. uh, if you cut out sugar for two weeks, eventually you don't even want sugar, right? But mm-hmm. like once you have that one bite again, it's like, oh yeah, I could, I could definitely do this again. Sure, sure. <laughs> So training people, I, I've, you know, it's funny. I found this very similar course to get this way. And uh, we still invest, obviously, but it's on a lesser scale. We try to do one, do, one deal a year, but they're bigger deals than they used to be. Um, but like the stuff is all run by my business partner. And when I finally got to this point, I was like, dude, this is freedom, right? We get to train, we get to teach. We have a mission of building 100 millionaires. Like, why not, right? Like, let's just, let's see what happens. See if we can build 100 millionaires and inspire them to go build 100 millionaires and see like where that goes. And uh, I don't know if you know Damian Lupo, but he said something very similar. He's a big syndication guy. I interviewed him yesterday. And what he told me was, he's like, I just want to break the system. He's like, I just want to break the whole money system. And, you know, by going out and teaching people and educating, he's like, that's, you know, that's an option for us, right? Cause we're going to break the system because eventually everybody's going to be rich and not have to worry about it. So what is, what would you say is aside from the, the fulfillment of, you know, helping people, what would be your, your thing that, that really you think is uh, unique and fun about it because it's got to make money. It's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I, I pulled out of this conversation so far. And, and a rich guy told me once, he said, look, uh, I'm too old and too rich to do anything. that doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me money. And I know he, pulled that from somebody else uh but you you've got the same philosophy like that's something that works what what makes you tick man like what makes you get up in the morning and say yeah i'm, I'm running this life the way i'm doing it and i'm really happy with it huh. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question because I'm, I'm thinking about so many answers so to, to rephrase your question a little bit differently if, if you told me i could only do one thing for the rest of my life and i couldn't make any money with it that would be public speaking. I, I would go on a stage every single day of my life or in front of a camera like this and just rap, just, you know, go back and forth, talk about whatever it is that, that comes to my mind. I mean, it's just something that, that comes so naturally to me. And I think that the, the why behind that why is that I I love seeing people change. It's, it's funny because I realize that, that what I'm doing is really a win-win, even yep. though it, it sounds like it has a selfish spin on it. You know, for, for me, it's like, I love the fact that I can be somebody else's catalyst moment. Yeah, I, I, I've had multiple catalyst moments in my life. One was when I took entrepreneurship my junior year of high school. It was a moment where I felt like someone took a, a cup of ice water and threw it in my face. And I was like, whoa, wow. <laughs> so, but my second catalyst moment was probably even bigger and it was where, let me grab it here. So when I was working at the karate school, a, uh, a friend of mine told me for my 18th birthday, which was coming up, he said, I got a book for you. And I was both thrilled and terrified. I was thrilled because I was like, man, I, this is such a nice gesture. Thank you. And I was terrified because I'd never read a book before in my life. And yep. on my 18th birthday, he shows up with this book. So this is oh, no way. Over by Dave Ramsey right? Yep. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting, right? It's not a novel of Beverly Cleary, some hocus pocus horse crap that I'm never going to read. And I took this book home and it sat on my desk for like two weeks. And I opened it up and I read the first few pages in here. Then I lost my place, you know, 
came back next few days, started over again, read it again, right? Did that three or four times in a row. And then finally I like sat myself down, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Look, it ain't that big of a book. Okay. It's it's right. 220 pages or, or whatever the heck it is, right? Like I've done all this stuff in my life. I can read a book. I'm gonna do this. And I I finally I sat down, I read the whole book. It took me a month because I'm a slow ass reader. Uh, <laughs> but after I read it, I knew two things, and that was it. There's something else out there. I don't know what it is but I want to find out. And that, yep. that was my driving force forward. And now this book sits on a bookshelf with over a hundred other books that are all self-help, personal development, human psychology, yep. financial literacy, investing, you name it, right? You name the biggest books of all time. I've read them. Think and Grow yep. Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The 10X Rule, The Compound Effect, you name it, right? I've read them all. I've, I've, I've yep. read them all, I've devoured them all. And that started my my journey it was it was almost like i felt like the wizard of oz right like like yeah. the curtain was pulled in front of my eyes and i was moving it out of the way and i'm like there is something else out here and that feeling that i had when i read this book i want to yep. get that feeling to everybody else out there i always i always joke with people and they say what do you do i say i sell glasses and they're like what do you mean i'm like i uh, i help people see what i saw I give yep. them that clarity that, that came to me. See and life so, through a true lens. Yeah, that, that really is what moves me. When, when, I, when I recognize that, that I sit down with somebody and I actually gave them value and I shared something with them that has the potential to change their life if they act yep. on it, that livens me up. And for me, it's more about the story. It's more about the fact that they can go 10 years from now and say, hey, I sat down with Fred Pacimo one day and he told me X, Y, and Z. And my life was forever changed because of that moment. And that's like the yeah. selfish thing in it. But at the same time, everything that we do is selfish, right? There, there yeah. is no selflessness out there. Because it, no. because once again, every one of us on the, on the face of this planet is in search of one thing. Yeah. Feeling. Yep. Feeling, the pursuit of happiness. These are, these are things that uh, we drive, you know, all across the country. We like chasing gold, chasing the stars, right? Like all the things that we do are, it's to feel, it's to go and do something different. Fred, I've learned a lot about you, but you got a training course. And so obviously training is something I, I promote and I suggest, mm -hmm. and I agree, my mountain of books, it's not like you and I could go back and forth and uh, read a lot of books and, and discuss a lot of books. So uh, definitely gonna have to do this again. I've got to, I, I've got to ask, <clears throat> three pieces of advice. So you go back to 20 year old Fred, actually, before I even ask that question, how could somebody get in touch with you? If they wanted to learn from you, want to check out one of your programs or uh, just, you know, get some advice, set up a coaching session. What is the easiest way to contact you? Yeah. The, the, the best and easiest way is to text me. So I actually give people my, my direct text number. It goes right to my phone. It's not to my team. Uh, so just text me. My number is 215-596-1515. Once again, that's 215 Five nine six one five one five, and like I said, that comes right to me. Shoot me a text, and then if you're not a, a big texter, friend, follow me on Facebook. Right, be friends with me on Facebook. I'm super active on Facebook. It's actually where where we met, and uh, you'll see I'm always posting stuff on there. I'm always I'm always around, and I'm I'm always accessible. You know, I love meeting new people, and and I'd love to uh, bring you on board and share some insights with you. I love it. So Fred, Postimo, po Postimo. 
Think of like it's a funny because you just said it. <laughs> it's fine. It's Zero. Fine. I used to uh, I used to wrestle in high school, and after yeah. if you win in a wrestling match, if you're in a in a tournament and you're going to move on, you you uh, you write your signature, right? And my yep. handwriting is worse than than pronouncing my name, and so <laughs> I, I write my name down, right? Adrenaline's pumping at this point because you just won, so my hands shaking, and I'm like going crazy, and my my handwriting is atrocious. Right. They, they tell you, you just got, you know, rip someone's face off and now you got to go walk across the room and, and sign your name. And so my handwriting is atrocious. And they had other high school kids read out the names. So they'd always go, Fred, I'm like, that's me. Here I come. Fred with a P. Yeah. So, yep. know, anytime it was like Fred hesitation. I'm like, that's me. That's yeah. Yeah. Who I am. So. Don't worry. I, similar, similar situation. I, I love it, man. So Fred, if we can three pieces of advice uh, before we head out of here, three pieces of advice to give 20 year old Fred going back so that you could change your life faster, make it more productive, I guess, find money and happiness earlier in life. What three pieces of advice would you give to somebody? These are good questions. I gotta, I gotta steal some of these questions for my show. <laughs> so the first thing that I would have done at 20 years old or, or possibly even younger is I would have built my credit faster. So a lot of people, again, mostly perpetuated by the school system and by society, a lot of people have a fear and a misunderstanding of debt. Today, I love debt. I love debt because it's a tool and I learned how to use the tool, right? A lot of people, it's it's like the, the I, I give a great analogy on, on risk. And the analogy is two humans, one gun. A 13-year-old kid and a trained Marine go to a shooting range, and they both fire the same gun downrange. At the end of the day, which one of the two is going to think that guns are riskier? The 13-year-old kid, of course, right? The trained Marine is like, this is great. He's shooting behind his back, upside down, in between, you know, like taking the gun apart, put it back together, fire it again. 13-year-old kid is like, oh, what the heck? I don't know. And that's how people often treat debt is they're like, oh, God, I, I don't want to, you know, is this thing going to go off? What's going to happen? Am I going to ruin my life here? You know, it's like it's like operating a wrecking ball. You can you know, yeah. destroy a lot of shit or you can build something beautiful. And so yeah. that's the first thing I would have done is I would have built my credit instantly. Right. Right away. And in the last year, actually, in this year, I increased my credit by over seventy five thousand dollars which is what nice. allowed me to make these associations and find these friends and, and get into circles that I wouldn't normally be able to get into. And then I think would be, would be the second tip is after you build the credit and build, build up the tool is invest in yourself. So I have a saying, and the saying is those who invest the most in themselves will have the most invested back into them. A lot of people look at paying a coach or a mentor $15,000 as like this astronomical amount of like, why would you ever do that? What's wrong with you kind of a thing, but they'll gladly give $400,000 for a college or university, right? But 15 grand going to, you know, a multimillionaire to train you in whatever is a waste of money. And so I would say that would be the second thing. First is build up your credit. Second is invest in yourself. And the third thing is, I would say, look at what you're already doing and do more of that. And what I mean by that is this, a lot of people try to teach passion. They try to teach you how to find your passion. It's this stupid cliche in this industry. And I think that a lot of people do it in a, in a, a cliche kind of a way. And they always ask you the, the dumb question, well, what do you want to do? Or what do you like to do? And I'm like, hey, idiot, if I knew that, I wouldn't be here asking you 
how to find my passion. Like it doesn't make any sense. So what I always ask people is, what do you do? Because I believe that people already do things that they like. For the most part, we avoid pain and we move towards pleasure. And so if we're doing that, we're already doing something that we like. We just either A, don't recognize it or don't do it enough to fulfill us. And so yeah. I always, I, I always used to say that like, if you show me your room, I'll show you your life. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're, you're in your basement right now and you got 13 whiteboards and, and books and all kinds of stuff. It's like, I could, I could walk in and I could tell you, you need to be an entrepreneur. You need to be coaching. You need to be a consultant. You need to be writing books. You need to be speaking both virtually and on stages. And if you want, you should probably invest a little bit too, you know, just because of, of what I see in your room, your environment is always stronger than your willpower. And people do that intentionally, right? A lot of people don't understand opportunity. Opportunity has three steps. And most people don't get this. Most people think that step number one is recognizing the opportunity. No, no, you're way off. Step number one is putting yourself in an environment where the types of opportunities that you want are abundant. Let me go back to the room analogy. If I walk in your room and you have guitars all around your walls and a keyboard and a synthesizer and a headset, I know that you're a musician. This is the right. thing that you like. And, and you're complaining because you're working at a nine to five desk job every day and you're absolutely miserable. It's like, let's look in your environment, right? Now, would, would you wager to guess that if you hung out with other musicians and you went to shows and you went to bars and clubs where musicians are playing at open mic nights and stuff like that, would you wager to guess that there would be an opportunity come your way if you were in that environment? Of course. Yep. So that's one is you, you change your environment. Two is recognizing the opportunities as they come by. Greg Reed taught me this and, and it's a really good lesson. He said, most people, the thing that they want in life comes to them, but it doesn't come to them in the form that they, that they thought it would. And so therefore they pass it by. And he uses the analogy, you tell yourself, I want $100, $100. That's my goal. I want $100, $100. So you're expecting a $100 bill, right? Hold it up. Yeah, $100 bill to come by. But instead, some guy drives by in his truck and he says, hey man, I got these cans in the back of my truck and I got to get rid of them. Do, do you want these cans? And you go, no, I don't want cans. I want $100. But had you looked a little bit further, you would have realized you could sell those cans for $100 or more and find that hundred dollars that you're looking for. So recognize the opportunities when they come by, because sometimes they might be disguised. And then step number three to opportunity is taking action on it. Because lots of times we see them and we, we revel in it. And we're like, this is great. I got an opportunity, woohoo. And then you never do anything with it. So those are yep. your three steps to opportunity. So those are the three things that I would say. I don't even remember what I said now. Uh, increase my credit, increase my, my debt, invest in yourself and do more of what you're already doing. Do that thing that you already love to do and step into it, right? I feel like finally, you asked me earlier why I, I transitioned from investing to speaking. And the main reason is because I feel like I am finally stepping into my purpose. Wow, Fred, what a powerful explanation. You gave the, the three tips and the third tip had three tips. <laughs> right? What a phenomenal job, man. I'm going to have uh, to go back and watch this and take notes on this. <laughs> this was a training course all on its own. This yeah, was right? you saying, look, this is what it is. This is what, what people can right, do. So and this is where we're going. You're going to sell this for $500. You and I will split it 
And, uh, you know, just uh, go to our, our link down below and pay us your credit cards and we'll be good to go. So run to the back of the room, take action. This yeah, is your exactly. chance. Successful people take action now. Yep. <laughs> Make sure you like, share, subscribe this episode. Put it all over the place. Put it on YouTube. Put it on Facebook. Let people know that you learned something. Social proof is so important. If you can share this with somebody and it changes their lives, you've done them a big service. And they'll think you're cool because they'll recognize that you're a good person just like them. Uh, people find that the things they share represent themselves. And so share something like this and uh, allow people to have the opportunity to learn more about self-development, learn more about Fred and what we're doing here in Alchemist Nation. If you want to learn more, you want some free training, go to gualtermorello.com forward slash live come Saturday. Every Saturday, we teach the 52 wealth principles and we attach them to one of the books that Fred was talking about. Every principal has a book. Uh, and I think I recognized the one thing a little while ago uh, when you were talking, Fred, is you know finding your why, finding your purpose, and then just doing one thing, doing it very well. And uh, you know, Warren Buffett, and I got to close this out, but Warren Buffett said, you can work, people, he was in a, a training room with students and they said, well, I want to be this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to finally do what I really want to do, which is start my own business and, and run this. And Buffett said, he looked at him and said, why don't you just go do that? Just go do that first instead of all these other steps in between. You don't need college for what you want to do. Just just go do it. And uh, you know, the whole room clapped. And I think Bill Gates was there. But you just said it in the simplest way, Fred. Find what you like, find what you're already doing, and just do more of it. You know, money, money will come to you. You've just got to figure out how to operate within that realm. And uh, you know, some powerful information. Uh, thank you so much, Fred. I appreciate your time. And if you can shoot me a text with that phone number so I can put it on the website if, uh, and I'll just tell people text only. Obviously, you don't want your phone blowing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that said, man, cheers to your success. Keep running with your mission. When you have a choice, always work with the best. Thanks so much, man. This was great. Thank you, brother. You got it. Have a good one.